Welcome to Breaking Big, where we interview people about their careers in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Aaron Newmeyer. Everyone here at Thunder Tally Media is so excited to announce that we are being featured on the Hoo Ha Ha app under the Podcast We Love section. They are on a mission to spotlight and support women in comedy. One of the ways they do that is by amplifying women's voices, like this podcast. If you haven't already, go check out the hoohaha.com website. There's so much great content there. That's where you'll find my podcast and all the other shows featured under the Podcast We Love section. And now I'd like to welcome you to Breaking Big. This is the one with Krista Amagon. Krista is a writer, actress, filmmaker, and a mom, originally from Buffalo, New York. She danced and choreographed professionally in New York City before graduating from the William Esper Studio two-year Meisner program. Her script, The Dancer, was chosen by Apple for their first short film challenge, and it's now available on YouTube. Recent career highlights include her short script, The Instinct, being one of six winners from Women in Media's camaraderie competition, and you can watch her most recent acting performance in David Beatty's The Wastelands, The Silence of Memory on YouTube, for which she received a Best Actress nomination in the We Make Movies International Film Festival. Her most recent directorial work, Here and There, was written by Bill Ferris and is currently in the festival circuit. Welcome, Krista. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Erin, <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. I know you are, uh, you're so busy. You've got so much going on all the time. I'm just very thankful that you could make it. Thank you. So, you know, I watched uh, your short film, The Dancer, uh, before I went back and kind of reread all of your training. And I wasn't surprised to find out that you were actually uh, professionally trained. Um, so was dancing your first love? Yeah, definitely. I, I started when I was, I think, seven years old. And uh, I, I went through, uh, in high school, I was like on a dance competition team. So kind of like, so you think you could dance type of dancing where we were versed in, you know, tap, jazz, ballet, acrobatics, just everything, just kind of and very musical theater. And then when I went to college, I went to Butler University and that's all uh, classical ballet based. So it was, uh, you know, just being diving into Vaganova training and then uh, choreography and uh, uh, gram modern technique, you name it. So, yeah, that's how I that's how I started in performance was through dance. So that was when you were a kid. Uh, how old were you yeah. when you first got interested in filmmaking? Uh, well, I started getting in interested in filmmaking uh i was in college and a lot of my housemates are were aspiring filmmakers and now they are filmmakers and something weird in my mind i just always assumed i had this very like antiquated thought in my head ever since i was a kid of like okay i'm gonna be a dancer and get on broadway and then i can get into movies because that's how you do it like i guess i was just like Fant uh, you know, this fantasy of like Debbie Reynolds and stuff like that. So, um, but in college I was like, no, definitely I'm going to be acting, you know, when I get to New York. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was just kind of this thing where I just assumed it would be coming, but I didn't realize I could be pursuing it much earlier than I did. Yeah. So, um, when did you move to the city? Uh, well, I moved to New York city right 
after graduation um, in uh, September of 2000 um, and just hit the ground running. Uh, I got my first professional dance job two weeks in. Oh, wow. Um, Great. Yeah. It was I. I was really uh, I was really lucky that things started to happen pretty quickly, um, but you know also had the rude awakening of that. Even though you're getting work, doesn't mean you're getting paid well, and just like this rough realization of how um, you need to be more than just a dancer or performer. You need to have a steady side gig. You need to be hustling and auditioning for new shows while you're still in other shows. And it's just a crash course in, in, in real life. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of the things I feel like, uh, they don't go over that much in the bu the business of everything when you're in Not uh, at all. schools, they don't really set your expectations to hustle. Yeah. Like, you know? honestly, they should have made typing. A, a mandatory course for my undergrad degree. I kid you not, because like, if you're a really fast typer, you can get paid 10 more bucks an hour to be a temp. Uh. If you're a slow, I'm serious. If you're a slow <laughs> typer, you get paid less. So people, no matter what your art form is, uh, learn how to type fast, do it. So um, I was wondering then, um, you know, since, you, I know you are more into like directing and writing now, but I think you worked as a professional choreographer. So I'm a little bit curious yeah. about how you get those jobs or, you know, what you need to get started in that field. Sure. So um, just like with, with acting and, and filmmaking and theater, um, you have to be really open to different uh, job opportunities. And here I am complaining on one hand that people don't get paid enough. And here now on, on my other hand, I'm saying, especially when you're first starting out, um, you have to be open to jobs that pay little to no uh, work so long as you're in a safe, creative environment. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, what what is so what is the payment is the community you're building. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking for when you're just starting out out of school, try in, in whether this is filmmaking or dance or theater, you're looking for community because community is going to be your treasure chest. And what happens in community is that people are like, oh, we need a choreographer. It's like, oh, wait, no, I'm I can choreograph. Oh. I thought you were just an actor. No, 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 I can choreograph. And that's how I got into it. Um, I started, I started, what was my first? I started to get choreography work actually through the improv um, theaters in New York because I did a lot of improv. That was my segue into acting from dance was like, I'm gonna take an improv class because I've always kind of wanted to and just see how I do. And I got heavily engrossed into the improv community. And then there are people, you know, through conversation, like, oh, you're a dancer. Oh, well, we've got this comedy show. Do you think you could teach a bunch of like comedians how to dance? It's like, yeah, yeah. If I could teach a six-year-old how to dance, I'm pretty sure I can teach a 36-year-old. And it's about the same, same outcome, really. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, so that's how I got into it, is this uh, finding community, a safe, community and opening opening myself up to being available to people within that community yeah 
That's great. Um, so <clears throat> I'm wondering uh, about training to be a choreographer. Is there any mm -hmm. special qualifications to get hired as the person that, um, you know, does, like teaches all the dancers how to dance for, you know, uh, I don't know, Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for in my experience, um, you know, uh, most of my first time choreography gigs were people that knew I was a dancer and just were so desperate for somebody to choreograph that they were like, we're just going to trust you. And it's like, okay, but little did they know is, you know, not only did I have the undergrad training from Butler, but um, the, the dance team that I was a part of in middle school and high school, I just happened to be studying under arguably one of the best choreographers for that level of competitive dance, uh, Leonard Castellone, who I haven't seen or heard from in years. I, I hope he's still alive, but um, watching him as a student, I picked up a lot of choreography um, habits and techniques. Um, and then from there, once I got those jobs that were given to me more out of desperation, it was people actually seeing the choreography and being like, hey, I have this paid gig at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. Can you can you come over to New Jersey a couple times a week and help us choreograph this musical? Um, so that's how that kind of developed. Yeah. So I have a question about when you're working, because um, mm -hmm. so my daughter is in a dance class, right? She's 13. It's like a lyrical, like. I don't even yeah. know what I, I'm not even exactly sure what style lyrical is. Lyrical dance. It's flowy. Yeah. Yes. Jazz, emotive, beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, but, you know, sometimes I get sent home with a video, like work on this with your daughter. And then I find myself going, oh, this is angel wings. This is making the way, you know. So I'm uh -huh. wondering, like, what is the type of, like, you know, the, the words or dialogue or pictures or tools that you use to communicate with the director or the dancers um, so that everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, when it comes, it's so choreography and directing are very much the same thing. Um, you're, you're trying to click in with the person that you're guiding and you're trying to click in with how they think so that they understand what you're seeing in your head. Now, some people are really good mimics. That was always my strong suit as a dancer. I could mimic the choreographer that I was working for really well. And that's also why becoming an actress was so natural for me. But some people really are inspired by, uh, you know, images of nature or like, um, or how something feels, how, should, how it should feel in your body. So just like with directing, you're looking for that way to make it click. Um, and when it comes to just teaching someone how to do steps, um, there's a lot of different ways you can access that. Some people it's through the musicality, the, like the sound of the movement, which I know sounds kind of weird, right? But it's like mm -hmm. um, reaching up three, four and bring it across and up and down. And so it's like you're like some people really like they hear the song of the movements and then they pick it up, right? Mm -hmm. But for some people, it's like, just tell me what directions I'm going. So it's like, okay, reach up to the right, slash it down to the left, reach mm -hmm. back behind you. You know, it's, you got to figure out what you're working with. Now, when you're working with professional dancers, 
they already have their own internal translator. So even if you're like, I'm only going to teach using movement and I'm not going to talk at all, those professional dancers are going to adjust immediately and go, oh, okay, all right, that's how she's teaching us, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I also know some choreographer, like in ballet classes, I remember I had this one teacher in college that occasionally would only teach us ballet bar through words. Mm. So if you weren't paying attention or if you didn't know that the French names of steps, you're, yeah, because for some look. dances, there's like, I mean, for ballet, there's a long tradition of, you know, like there's you a have, whole vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're like, and with tap as well, tap, there's a specific vocabulary, but like jazz and lyrical, a lot of that is being made up. It's dependent on the choreographer. Mm -hmm. So you can't, like, there are, yeah, there are steps like jete attitude, you know, stuff like that. But like a lot of the time, it's, if you're going for a specific style, a certain style, then it's more about the feeling than it is about what the step is. Yeah, I found it to be very challenging. I, I somehow ended up having to teach, uh, it was like an after school program and I had to, the person that was supposed to do the choreography couldn't come anymore. And so next thing I knew I was having to do, there were these videos from like Broadway Junior. So I had a video to look at, but then I had to like teach the kids and I was like, I was like trying to draw little diagrams and oh man like I found that to be incredibly challenging but of course I'm not a dancer I mean I've I've done like um Zumba you know I've had oh, some man. dance classes but it was a long time ago but you know. well if you're ever stuck in that situation again please reach out to me because like <laughs> I can help you <laughs> you will be the first person I call please. um so we were talking a little bit about like you know how you know you're studying for dancing but um I know like you, you know you write you direct uh you dance and you act i mean you're basically a quadruple threat here uh, <laughs> and then i know you've trained a lot in acting as well so i'm wondering yeah. how do you think all of that training uh has affected or informed your writing and directing um it just has made me and i know this is going to sound weird it's just made me more of a human like if you know um like in, in dance, like you're you're really in tune with your body, right? You know, you're become very highly sensitive to how you feel. So when you're writing a character, like I often find myself mimicking what that character looks like. Um, so if like they're a person that's like very hunched over, like I'll start like acting, I'll start right, you know, as I'm writing them, and I and I can see how they move and. Um, you know, I can hear how they talk and uh, because I have this experience of like moving in different ways. And as, as an actor, um, you know, speaking in different ways. So when I'm writing, I, I feel like I have all these different like wardrobes to choose from. So yeah, I think so that's while how you're writing, are you one of those people that like stands up and kind of acts it out? Or do you just have like the characters you know, argue in your head. <laughs> All in my head. And I think that's also what, I think that's how, where my improv training really is helpful is because when you're doing a lot of improv and especially if you're performing a lot and then you're like in, taking a lot of classes, you have to come up with all these new characters all the time, right? You can't just keep performing the same characters. And so 
with improv, it's like you're you're hearing different voices that you can generate inside your own head, and you're you're taking in what your scene partners are are adding to the to the mix. And um, improv is really good, also just reminding a writer how people really talk. Now, if you're doing a period piece, yeah, so you're writing for that period. But if you're doing something that's supposed to be happening happening in the here and now i don't know how many scripts i've read because i used to do coverage for a living before the pandemic um it's amazing how many writers forget how people talk like they just or, or you have trouble making everybody sound the same yeah that's yeah. well that's where i think like dance training comes in help in, in handy it's like how would this person talk like if they're always if they're always like this or if they're always proper like it changes how someone talks it 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 changes everything yeah so um did you take special classes for writing or directing or is it like with dance where you just well learned by doing um with with the writing i started writing um back in new york um when i was with the collective nyc which is a theater company I was in right after the Esper studio um, with the collective, we started writing pieces for each other to act in. And that's when I started writing. And then I started writing fiction on my own, just for my own mental health. Um, so a lot of that was writing by doing, uh, learning by doing, but then I did, I have taken a couple of classes with the UCLA extension hmm. and I'm hoping to continue those classes in the fall actually. Which and, classes have you taken? Because I've I've looked at doing the those classes because I think this would be good for anyone because a lot of them yeah. are online still. Yeah, which I appreciate. Um, I I took uh, intro to screenwriting and screenwriting one, mm -hmm. and then I had to uh, I had to put a pause on that for a while. So I'm hoping to uh, go back. But um, my the teach I took from the same teacher for both classes. I want to say his last name was Rosenthal. Prof uh, I would call him professor. And he's like, I'm not a professor. I'm like, All right, <laughs> Professor Rosenthal. <laughs> um, but uh, what was really nice, because I don't consider myself an autodidactic person at all. I like, and I think this comes from being a dancer. I like to go to a class and it could be virtual. I prefer it to be virtual, <laughs> but I like to sit and listen and learn from someone. And I like to be given a framework. I like to be given rules mm -hmm. because I feel like the only way that you can break the rules is by first knowing them and knowing why they are considered rules in the first place. Um, so yeah, um, when it comes to directing though, um, my only directing experience was really choreographing because choreography is, I know how I want something to look. And then my directing also comes from being a, a student of, of the Esper studio where I am watching my teachers coach my classmates. A lot of 90% of the learning you do in a Meisner program is you paying attention to your classmates going up. And I, I say this to any student, if you're gonna go to any sort of class, whether it's writing, acting, directing, da 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 dance, you should pay attention to every single note being given, not just the ones being given to you. Because what you're learning is you're not only taking in your classmates' notes, but you're also taking in how 
the teacher is delivering those notes. So if down the line you aspire to be a teacher, if down the line you aspire to be a director or a choreographer, you're learning how to talk to people. You're also learning how to not talk to people because you may find yourself in classes where you're like, wow, this teacher is treating people like absolute garbage. Yeah, I've been and, there. <laughs> yep, we've, we've, yeah, we've all been there. And so it just, that's, you, you're gonna learn more by listening. Um, so that's where I got my, if I got any directing training, it was from being a, a, a student uh, at the Esper studio. And then again, when I was in the collective NYC, we were performing for each other every Monday night and we were learning, we were noticing moments that didn't work in our friends scenes and being like, and so we would give notes afterwards to be like, Hey, that one moment, there just seems something, a disconnect. And what you end up doing while you're helping your friends is you are becoming a director. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so important. Yeah. Cause uh, I feel like, um, there's a couple of good points you brought up. One, I wanted to kind of go back to improv real quick because you said yeah. how you it's you're you have to be present in in your body, and then somebody can walk up to you and tell you, "Hey, you're actually, um, you know, a janitor in a uh, a chemical like a biohazard facility." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so you have to be able to switch and adapt just like that. So I thought that was a really great point. And then with the directing. Um, I think it's really interesting that, you know, the dance and, and your classes helped you with that. I know you've actually directed uh, a few projects. Like I think you directed The Dancer and that was one mm -hmm. of the ones that got picked up by Apple, right? For their, their short story. Yeah, I, I directed The Dancer. I directed a series that was that was uh, featured on Hoo Ha Ha once called uh, She's So Right, which is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's like a very Dadaism, uh, 80s feminism <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> It's just ridiculous and fun. Um, that's good. And, you know, uh, our show is actually featured on Hoo Ha Ha. That's what I saw. I was like, yeah. hey, hey, hey. And then, um, so I uh, I directed, um, I've directed a couple of pieces. And the most recent one I've directed is Bill Ferris's Here and There, which we um, just finished uh, the post on like about a month ago. We shot in October. And so now he's submitting to festivals and all that good stuff. So. Is there anything that you can tell us about that project? Like what's well, the yeah. genre? It's um well it was interesting because uh so Bill wrote it himself for himself to act in um with the amazing he plays opposite the amazing Jenny Fawn, um, who is a wonderful actress. Um and it it explores um the death of a of a parent, adult, adult mm. children dealing with the death of a parent and then uh, balancing the, the pursuit of their lives and the, um, their responsibility to help their family back in their hometowns. Like how much are you supposed to sacrifice for, your, for yourself? How much are you supposed to sacrifice for them? Um, so it explores that and it's, it's a 10 minute movie it's um, what was interesting is I never had someone come to me before and being like, I want this to look like and them naming a, a particular show. Mm. Um, and it wasn't a show. I'm not going to say it because I I would just want if you get to watch it, I want you to have your own opinions of it. But I was like, oh, I don't even watch that show. So I got to I got to like watch <laughs> that show a bit. And then what really helped, though, is like, OK, I was like. 
I, I see what he wants, but I'm not a DP. Mm. And so um, Bill, uh, or actually Stephen Lamort, um, who was the producer, um, who also produced Nightwatch, which I wrote, um, he, uh, he's, he introduced me to Katie Elenecki, who uh, she works for Sony and she was my DP. And so when I watched the TV show that Bill wanted to, he's like, I really want to emulate the feeling of this show. As a director, my main concern is the actor's performances. I am responsible for the emotional arcs of the movie, but I am not a DP. And although in my mind, I can see how I'd like something to look, I do not have the camera experience, nor do I want the camera knowledge of how to get that. So Katie and I had a really great working relationship where she's like, this is perfect for me. You let me take care of this. You take care of that. We come together, we give him what he wants. And that's, that's what we did. So, yeah. Well, wow, that's good. I'm really looking forward to um, seeing that. When do you think it will be released? Well, they're doing um, they're doing the festival circuit, so they're not going to have it readily available anytime so, soon. So look so. for it. Uh, pay attention to your yeah. festival. Um, it's called Here and There, mm -hmm. and um, I actually really identify with the subject matter of that being you know a middle aged woman with family not in the town I live in. Yeah. You know, it's like if something happens, you know, what am I moving to Florida? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a looming, it's a looming concern, mm -hmm. especially like I'm an only child. I don't know about you, but like, yeah, I, I have know. some siblings, which, but I mean, it's like, everybody's always like, uh, okay. <laughs> Who's taking this? Do this? <laughs> Yeah. So um, I was wondering if that if there were any tools for writing that you found especially useful. Um, well, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Final Draft, which I know can be pricey, and I, I I hate that you have to buy the upgrades every couple of years. I really do detest that, but it really does make writing for screen, you know, it just takes the edge off um, form wise. Um, but nothing has helped me more than being in a writer's group. Um, I back, back in New York, I was a part of a writer's group where everyone was mostly, uh, focused on writing novels. I've written two novels and, um, it's, it's having people that you're accountable to on a scheduled basis. Um, that now not only helps you get the pages in, but then also you're reading other people's work. Mm -hmm. So you're you're learning what what works and what doesn't work by reading other people's pieces. Um, currently, I'm in a writers group called ABF, which stands for Active Bitch Face. <laughs> <laughs> we've been meeting. We we got together at the top of the pandemic, really. Mm -hmm. So we've been together, what, two years now? Oh, wow. That's great. Two plus years. And we meet once a week. Uh, we meet once a week and um, over, over Zoom. And even if nobody has anything to bring in that week, we still meet because we check in with each other emotionally. We, um, we check in with each other like, okay, nobody had any pages to bring in today, but what are we working on? Or what can we work on for next week? Um, and because we, I, 
I think it's important that people don't feel it, it's funny, like some members of the writers group would be like, I feel so bad. I never have anything to bring in. It's like, no, it's that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about showing up, just show up, just give us notes, you know, because Plus, you, yeah, like you, said, you can learn just from listening or reading other people's pieces. Absolutely. And I have to really commend you. I have been in a couple writers groups and yeah. they uh, always seem to unravel at some point. Like oh, man. you lose people or, and don't get people to backfill or you get somebody in who wants to take everything in a totally different direction or, you know, or like you have, like every writers group I've been in has like different uh, structures, like how, how long, yeah. how many pages you can submit and all that kind of stuff. And then like somebody will be like, now, now I want to read a, a full length script and you're like, hold on, wait a second. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, I really commend your group for being able to keep the, uh, keep it going over this whole, uh, the pandemic. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. It's, we, I mean, we check in every, about every six months and we're like, are we liking the form? Mm -hmm. Are we liking our rules? Are we, are we liking this? And um, if we make, need to make adjustments, we and we have, we have made adjustments. We used to read everything ahead of time and then speak and then meet and speak to each other. But a lot of people were like, it really gets me. Um, sometimes I can't do the reading beforehand. And then what ends up happening is I, I don't feel like I should come to the group because I'm embarrassed. It's like, all right, let's change that. And now, especially because we're focusing on writing for stage or sorry for um for uh t film and tv it's like you know what we're going to do a 10 page maximum per person we're going to cast it then right at the top of the of the meeting we're going to read it in real time give notes right after and so that alleviated a lot of stress for people where they're like okay great now i don't have to worry about making time to read because i'm going to read then and then that also what that happens is um, we let people submit right up until up through the st start of the meeting. Like someone will be like, I have stuff, but I was worried there would be too many people submitting. But now I see the only one person submitted. It's like, all right, email us your 10 pages. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so it's just so helpful. Um, I highly recommend and this comes back to the idea of community. You need a community. And even though writing is a very solitary art form, um, get yourself a community, get yourself a writer's group, even if it's only one other person, be accountable to that person. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really think it's good for the community purposes of being able to do these Zooms and actually connect with, with like, you know, people that you know, or maybe could even see in person someday. But there's yeah. also a lot of um, uh, like Facebook groups and like meetup groups and stuff now that you can sort of jump in on. I listened to this podcast called The Screenwriting Life. Um, it's got Meg LaFove and Lorian McKenna, who both wow. are really active writers. They've written a, a lot of things. You can look them up. But they also moderate a Facebook group. And I think through oh, wow. that group, like they will sometimes do like a writing sprint. So mm -hmm. you can like log on and join in with them. And then you write for 15 minutes in the morning or whatever the time frame that you can yeah. for is. And, um, and I think people have, you can find accountability partners that way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a person where we just talk once a week. We, we kind of carve out 30 minutes on the same day, same time every week. But like 
we also try to finish faster than that because we're busy. We're moms, you know, we've got yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, brings me to parenting in the business because uh, you also are a parent. Yes, I am. And yes, I'm I wondering, um, you know, you wear so many hats, you know, like you're writing and directing and I mean, you're just doing so many things all the time. How, um, like, how do you overcome the challenges that are sort of inherent with being a parent in this business? Um, well, for sure, I've prioritized my my parenting over over all the rest. And um, if there's if there's any faults I have in my career is that I I don't do a lot of although I used to hustle my ass off in New York all the time. Um, I'm not so much a hustler now, whereas now I'm just kind of you know, um, when people ask me to work for them, I do it. And um, I do reach out to people that I already have relationships with to be like, hey, I'm available if you need coverage, I'm available to act, I'm available, like, I let people know that I already know that I'm available. So I, truth be told, I don't work as much as I'd like to be working. Um, you know, my kids at an age where I'm still very hands-on they're in school now, so I get to write more, which is amazing. Um, I will say this, I think it's so important. Um, motherhood has made me a more efficient worker, a more efficient writer. And it's because I don't have time to have writer's block. <laughs> I don't. Now, does that mean that everything I write is amazing? No, but it's like, oh my gosh, uh, she has a, a short day at school today. And uh, so I only have two hours, that's it. I'm getting my butt in the chair. I'm writing for two hours, mm -hmm. you know? And there's, some, there's this hyper-efficiency that I have discovered in motherhood. Um, and it's not that I wasn't a hard worker before, but it just, it's like, I don't have time to, to get in my head about my writing skills. I have to write this. Um, I don't have time to get in my head about what needs to be done. I'm going to go with the flow. This is what's happening. I'm going off my outline. This is what's happening. Don't overthink it. I don't have time to overthink it anymore. So it's almost like a benefit to have, you know, um, the, these other demands, because then uh, it really forces you to utilize your time really effectively. Yeah, like if you want something done well, hire a mom. I'm serious. Hire I agree. I think that you're so right. It's like, uh, you know, first of all, um, moms are amazing. We um, bring life into this world. Yeah. <laughs> so <just> step one. <laughs> but yeah, I think we have to be so good at managing a lot of different uh, roles. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's. You know, I also like that's like something that, um, you know, I can't say it's directly from being a parent, but just I think more, but um, I think this is also an observation of just going through years of and and along the way meeting teachers that were emotionally abusive, you know, or meeting and working with directors that were you know, not very healthy to work with. Um, there, I don't think there's any reason to treat someone like crap mm -hmm. when you're working with them. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea of like, 
um, breaking someone down so that they like rise above and like perform out of the ashes. It's like, no, I, I'm not going to do that. And so, especially having had a kid, I just, it just, it's just a constant reminder of like everybody here, everybody here is a kid. <laughs> Everyone here, even if you're 50 years old, you're a kid in there. And if you're going through a rough time or something, I'm not going to make your life any more difficult. And I'm going to see how we can work together um, through this challenge. It's, it's important. Yeah. I think that's great. And, you know, also for any of our listeners that maybe aren't parents or, or are not planning to be parents, I think there's other ways that you can kind of get this, um, like work on this skill because there's a lot of mentorship programs out there. Totally. That, uh, volunteer your time. And um, like, I think, um, oh, I'm going to mess it up. I think it's Girls in Focus. Like they have a mentorship program where if you want to mentor a, a, a you know younger girl on like how to write or how to direct or whatever, I think they go up to 18 years old. So yeah, you know. there's also like Boys and Girls Club. There's I think yeah. there's Write Girl. Um, yeah, you I'm, just to be clear, you don't have to be a parent to like have a compassionate heart. Right, right, <laughs> just right. To be yeah. clear, I want to make that very <laughs> obvious what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't think we were saying that. I just feel like, you know, um, I like inter I interview a lot of parents on my show and I just want people that aren't parents to know that, you know, uh, while I do think that being a parent uh, does add another layer of complexity <laughs> to your life, yeah. um, you can, there's definitely ways to foster those, those skills and things yeah. that, um, you know, they're, they're out there. If you just make a little time for them. The other uh, thing, I thing oh, go ahead. You, if there were any organizations that you go to like for support as like, you know, a woman in the business or a parent in the business. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan and a member of we make movies, hmm. which is now an international organization. You can find them in uh, New Zealand and London and all over both coasts of America. We make movies.org. You don't have to be a paying member to still be a member. They have different tiers, but they're the people that were like, hey, you can write. Hey, do you want to you want to have some scripts read on stage? And then realizing, oh, I can write for screen. Oh my gosh. And they were through them is how um, I got my work in front of Apple. Um, so We Make Movies is an amazing community of people that want to learn and people that know what they're doing, professionals and amateurs alike, that just, they just want to, create stuff so check them out um and they actually it's through them that i've gotten a lot of paid writing work because now they are in a position their production company now where if if you wanted me to write for you you go to them and they would uh make that connection they're wonderful you don't have to be professional a professional yet if you're like i just i know what i want to do i just don't know how to get there check them out go to their website go to the meetings they're live and virtual now. Go, whether it's as an actor, a writer, director, or a, you know, a gaff, editor, uh, whatever it is, check them out. Go, 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 do it. That is a great tip. I highly recommend them. You should definitely go, go check yes. out those teams. And so, like, while we're um, <clears throat> talking about like other things that we're grateful for, I always like to kind of focus on um, sharing the good things with my listeners. Um, and I, um, and you kind of got to do yours, so I'm going to do mine. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, we kind of already mentioned a, a few of the organizations, but um, I, I just we just wrapped up something for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which is fabulous. I highly recommend you check them out. And um, I also uh, I have kind of a silly thing. I wanted to thank um, customer service representatives. Okay. <laughs> because because I kid you not, I've been on the phone this past week for like probably a total of three hours if you put it all together, just trying to solve this like problem that we were having. And um, and you get, it's so funny because my husband and I have been kind of tag teaming on like, who's gonna call now? And then you get on this thing and it's like, please press, press or say one if you want that. And we're like, one, yeah. one, you know? And then it's like, say, you know, say your birthday. And it's like, I said my birthday. And like, you know, you're escalating like to this robot. And then now I'm always just like customer service, customer service. And I just repeat that. And so you get a person mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful <laughs> that there are still people that you can talk to that <laughs> can help you. <laughs> they take a lot of abuse. They deserve, they deserve yes. thanks yes. for Be sure. kind to the customer service person. Because <laughs> uh, the thing with them is it's usually, it's not the person, it's the process. So if they can't help you, it's because they were only trained with these skills and you just have to keep working until you can get further up the chain but but um anyway so that's uh those are my big shout outs um i also wanted to um you know just say thank you to you for coming thank on the you. show today i really appreciate you sharing your story with us i know you're so talented we didn't even get to talking about the instinct which is like was your like elevated horror film that <laughs> won awards i mean You've got a lot of great things going uh, and you seem to be able to work across all genres. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome. It was so great to be able to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna drop all these links in the show notes. And uh, I also wanted to say that um, this is the month of June and June is recognized for several holidays and national observances like Pride, Juneteenth, Summer Solstice, donut day just to name a few but um it's also the month of something that's very near and dear to my heart which is uh, gun violence prevention month and um i really support every town for gun safety they're encouraging people to show your support by wearing orange orange is the color that if you're a hunter you wear it in the woods so that you're not accidentally shot but it's really become the color of the movement um and there, it's always the first, uh, I think, Friday in the month of June, but they they sort of celebrate it for three days. So it's June 3rd through the 6th. So um, if you don't already have an orange shirt, you can buy one or make one. I got I got mine from, um, from Everytown for Gun Safety and their little thing is like wear orange. So I'll definitely be wearing my shirt. Um, and if you take pictures of yourself, you can tag it with like everytown.org or wear orange and we'll drop some things in the show notes so that you can uh, follow along. There's also some other really great organizations. I know um, you mentioned uh, like Moms Demand Action and I think the Students Demand Action and they're all part of Everytown. And there's also, you know, like the Sandy Hook Promise and mm -hmm. uh, Giffords Pact and uh, Brady United, just to name a few. There's lots of great organizations out there and I think it goes without saying that we have a uh, gun violence crisis in America. So I hope that you, uh, you know, chime in at some point this month or, or look into participating in a walk or a march or even just like posting 
Or, you know, if you do have, if you are a gun owner, make sure that you're doing some simple things like storing your guns and ammunition separately at home in locked cabinets um, and, you know, stuff like that. So thanks so much for uh, tuning into our show and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, that's our show. We hope you loved it. If you did, make sure you're subscribed, tell your friends about it, and why not write us a review? If you know someone that would make a great guest on our show, drop us a line. You can find us on Instagram at ThunderTally or go to our website, ThunderTally.com. This show was produced by Bex Francis, edited by me, Aaron Newmeyer. The music was performed and written by Dylan Newmeyer. And our sponsor is Filmcraft LA, so make sure you go check them out. This has been a Thunder Tally Media production.